Hi, my name is Sam Fuda, and welcome to the second episode of season two of my podcast, Understanding Healthcare. Today, I spoke with Aidan Crowley, a first-year medical student at the Perelman School of Medicine at the University of Pennsylvania and a recent graduate of the University of Notre Dame. We talked about her passion for medicine and health policy, important topics for future physicians and students interested in healthcare to be aware of and proactive on, and how the COVID-19 pandemic can help to improve patient-provider communication and really begin to address issues outside of the doctor's office related to poverty, among other factors. I think Aiden has such a unique and interesting perspective on these issues and can't wait for you to hear our conversation. So, here's my conversation with Aiden Crowley. So I guess I'll start out with the first question. Uh, so I guess I was wondering if you could just talk a bit about like, you know, where you are now in your education and also any specific interests you have in medicine, both clinically and also in public health. Sure. So um, first of all, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here and chat with you a little bit. My name is Aiden Crowley. I'm a current first year medical student at the Perlman School of Medicine at the University of Pennsylvania. Um, so I just started here a few months ago and recently graduated from Notre Dame with a major in neuroscience and behavior and minors in poverty studies and compassionate care and medicine. Um, in terms of the specific interest that I have in medicine, at least clinically as of now, it's hard to know until we get a little bit further into it, but currently I am pretty interested in, in pediatrics, specifically some sort of hospital medicine, subspecialty, maybe some sort of high acuity inpatient situation or hospital care. And more broadly, adjacent to clinical medicine, uh, sort of three fields of interest that I have, one in bioethics, so especially related to situations regarding end-of-life care and shared decision-making, a lot of that comes out of the pediatric and neonatal ICU as well, um, and then health policy being the second field that I'm pretty interested in, so looking at things like behavioral economics and incentives of providers and insurance reform and looking at reimbursement and also coverage and access, those are pretty strong areas of interest for me as well, and then my third, I guess, main area of interest related to medicine is the medical humanities. So concepts of patient stories and narrative medicine and um, have always loved writing since I'm a kid, been a kid. So it's been really cool to try to find ways to weave that into my clinical and research explorations as well. Yeah, those are all amazing interests. And I guess uh, sort of, uh, you know, get, uh, adding on to that, what, you know, got you into medicine initially? How did you, when did you realize, you know, this is what I wanted to do? Yeah, so growing up as a kid, um, it had always been something that sort of crossed my mind every once in a while, but only in passing. No one in my family is ever in medicine or even anything really adjacent to that. The closest I have is a cousin in nursing school, and that's about it. Um, so it was really something new for me to sort of stumble upon on my own um, and bounce around from things such as being a basic scientist, doing research in a lab, but I wanted something a little more personal than that, thought about being veterinarian or a pharmacist and all sorts of health adjacent professions, but it was really uh, actually a summer pre-med program that I did at my local medical school during high school that um, we actually did an anatomy lab in a cadaver dissection. And I remember standing there and uh, holding a human heart in my hands and just looking at it and marveling at the weight and the beauty of the anatomy that is the human body and just feeling like I couldn't do anything but this because it was so fascinating and beautiful to work to understand that and to help people in that reach a state of healing. And so uh, while my initial interest in medicine, I guess, came from that sort of aha moment that was very anatomical, it 
prompted me then to keep exploring medicine. And it was through things such as conversations with patients, seeing the healthcare system up close through meeting with physicians and shadowing and um, hearing patient stories and realizing that, you know, in medicine, obviously there's all this anatomical work that you do, but really there's so much more that goes on when you're present with a person who is suffering. And that sort of radical presence is what drew me to medicine and, and sealed the deal. And then, you know, as I explored and kept learning more about the field of medicine, realizing again, that it's so much more than just the clinical, but looking at things like bioethics and health policy and medical humanities and how all of those weave into the practice of medicine is what really solidified for me that I couldn't see myself doing anything else. So I'm so excited to now be here in med school. And um, actually today we just had our first anatomy class. So we did our started our dissection and it was kind of a full circle moment for me of um, really reminding me why I'm here and why I'm excited to be here and to take what I learn and use it to give back and to walk alongside people who are suffering and help them move toward healing. Yeah, that's actually an amazing sort of fact you had at the end there, but uh, you know, sort of around those many different, you know, interests you have within medicine, you know, what like experiences have you had throughout your life, you know, that sort of led you to be compassionate about those you were talking about bioethics, health policy, and, and, you know, can you speak to some of the, you know, work you've done in any of those areas? Yeah, for sure. So I think a lot of that, uh, I guess I would say came through accompaniment. So really this sort of bottom up learning to learning from and listening to individuals and their stories, and then realizing that these broader scale issues like ethics and policy were things that I'm interested in because of these sort of bottom up patient experiences. So really in bioethics, as I mentioned earlier, a lot of my clinical experience up to this point has been related to pediatrics. I keep finding myself drawn back to that, I think because of the sort of intricacy of the pediatric patient and also the provider and also the parent sort of triad in that relationship, um, as well as the specific diseases that present in pediatric patients, also related to things like trauma or congenital diseases have been really interesting to me because they lead to these sort of ethical questions and things that uh, really bring up topics related to patient communication and um, shared decision-making and these sort of concepts. So it was from that clinical accompaniment and seeing what it was like to watch a 14-year-old boy on life support have a family have to make a decision about next steps of care and seeing how the physician handled that and looking at what it was to have an ethics consult and what role things like ethics committees play in hospitals and, and sort of ethical frameworks that are used to make these decisions at, a, at an individual patient level is then what made me realize, okay, yes, I want to keep exploring this field of bioethics and so um, I did some work at Mayo Clinic doing shared decision-making research and bioethics related research as well, and sort of taking that clinical individual experience and then scaling it up to a more research academic inquiry into looking at what would this be like to incorporate this into a profession. Um, and similar with poverty studies. So that was my minor at Notre Dame, and it came from a very bottom-up experience of several service learning seminars uh, interacting with people experiencing poverty or people experiencing homelessness. So I remember walking along the streets of Skid Row um, while sleeping in a food pantry for a week and thinking, why do I, at the end of this week, get to go home to a warm bed and food on the table when there are people who don't have these same resources and what can change at a system level to make this happen for these individuals like TJ and Joel that I met. Um, and that's what led me to do things like 
working for a congressional campaign as a health policy fellow and helping to develop her health policy platform, um, doing a seminar called US Healthcare Poverty and Policy, where I was in Washington, DC for a week, meeting with legislators and health policymakers and health economists, um, and living in a home with low-income patients and families and hearing their stories. Then as I sat down to write those policy memos, that is what was motivating me and guiding me as I was thinking of this nine-year-old boy and his family who had to sell their home to pay for healthcare. And it shouldn't have to be that way, but um, that is what gave me that energy and that uh, galvanized me to sort of pursue these things at uh, a more policy system-wide level is because I felt that in entering medicine and hoping to heal individual patients, I couldn't do that without also working to heal the system that should be designed to serve them. And so um, now here at Penn, I've been taking a class in Wharton with Zeke Emanuel, looking at health reform and the US healthcare system and the future of that and where that's headed. I'm working with a group called Future Doctors in Politics. So helping to start chapters at different med schools with sort of a focus on political competency and how politics, not only policy, affects our patients' health. Um, did an advocacy class this summer. So was working with some students here at Penn to hopefully meet with some Pennsylvania legislators in the upcoming weeks about Medicaid extension for postpartum mothers and working to expand access to doula services under Medicaid. So a whole bunch of these policy adjacent things really came from sitting down with and talking to and listening to individuals and then taking that and, and noticing what sort of energized me and motivating me and then letting that be my factor that drove me forward in continuing to explore these things. And the same goes for medical humanities, hearing the patient stories, doing things like patient comfort rounds where I would come around to hospital rooms with just a cart with games on it and magazines and just ask the patients, how are you doing? Then they would talk for 45 minutes about their hopes and their fears and their experiences with the healthcare system. And all I would do is sit there in that radical presence um, and just hear their stories and then let that guide me into sort of things that then I could take and sort of scale up in whether that's sharing patient stories on different um, medical humanities venues, helping to advance the field of compassion science. Um, so this is the idea that patient-physician communication has not only relational benefits, but also clinical health outcome benefits. There have been studies that have shown that physicians that demonstrate empathy more clearly, their patients actually have shorter duration of the common cold. Um, they have better blood pressure. It's better for the physician. It's better for the patient. So again, this is just another instance where these individual stories of the patients then motivated me to explore the field more deeply. So that's been sort of a theme that I've noticed has helped me at least when figuring out my own interest in medicine is seeing what individual encounters inspire me and then letting that sort of lead to what I, what I explore outside of medicine itself. Yeah, and I think that's really interesting because I think you you really put it uh, you know, wonderfully when you talked about there's so many amazing things you can do both at the individual level of healthcare, but also at the population and, and you know, at, at the more scaled up level. And I think that's, it's really amazing. And it speaks to sort of the breadth of the field at large. Um, my next question is, you know, why, you, you know, why do you think it's important as we sort of move out of, you know, the COVID-19 pandemic, if you will, that we prioritize these, you know, patient provider interactions that you were talking about that, you know, patient communication, and, you know, what do you believe we can change or, or keep the same maybe based on what we've learned throughout the past many years on how to uh, make these relationships and interactions the best they can possibly be? 
Yeah, that's a really good question and something that is extremely relevant. And I think a lot of people in the space are now wondering is as we at least hopefully move toward um, adapting in this maybe post-pandemic eventually society is what lessons can we take from this to apply to future practice? Um, what went well, what didn't go well, and how can we be more prepared next time? And in terms of patient-provider interactions, like you said, a lot of that during COVID occurred via telemedicine, and that's something that's not going to go away. Um, and so thinking about how we can use that to our patient's advantage rather than sort of disadvantage, because obviously, like any change in medicine, there are pros and cons. And on the one hand, it increases access, maybe in some ways, uh, by making it easier for patients to sort of log on to a video rather than try to find transportation and take more time off of work and find childcare. But on the flip side, it can also decrease access for patients who don't have access to the internet or can't find a space to get a strong Wi-Fi connection or maybe have a certain domestic situation at home that they don't want everyone in their apartment hearing about their healthcare issues. And so it's going to be using a lens of things like ethics and policy to address questions like that that will fundamentally impact the clinical health outcomes of patients. And that's why we can't ignore fields like ethics and policy um, because they so directly impact the actual health of our patients that we're seeing. And so one of those things, um, even more broadly than just the individual patient-provider interaction is also the uh, societal provider interaction and what responsibilities do healthcare providers have in advancing the trust, not only of the individual patients sitting in front of them, but society's trust and how do we sort of make sure that we are prioritizing health communication and we seem to knowing this situation that the science is only half the battle and doing things like developing therapies or um, you know, vaccines is all well and good, but if we can't actually get them into people's arms or if we um, know how to treat a COVID patient, but our hospital doesn't have the proper allocation of beds, then it's um, all well and good until we run into, again, these issues with ethics and policy and communication. So I think that's going to be our next step moving forward from COVID is saying, how can healthcare professionals come together around this issue in terms of motivating a responsibility to communicate effectively with the public and to build trust, not only with the individual patients that you see in forming longitudinal relationships and prioritizing their well-being, but in also building trust at a societal level, because that, again, also impacts the health of our patients. Yeah, and, and you're sort of getting to, you know, what is, you know, the responsibility of both physicians, but also patients in this uh, individual relationship, but also at the societal level, what do we, what, what should that relationship look like so that care is, is the best it can and be? And so, you know, I get you. We've talked about your interest at medicine at the clinical level, but also at the uh, population level. And so, I'm wondering, you know, your thoughts on, you know, what's important for future physicians to, uh, you know, be aware of or think about when providing care. We, we've talked a lot. Of, you talked about studying, you know, poverty studies and things like that. What is the importance of like upstream factors like that and, and talking about, you know, you talk you know, food pantries, food insecurity. What is the importance of those issues in, in medical education, do you think? Yeah, those issues are quite honestly pivotal and should be really central to uh, medical education. When it comes to my mind, as I explored a lot of this in undergrad through my poverty studies minor with things like the social determinants of health, mm -hmm. but now more and more the field is even moving toward 
levels of structural determinants of health and of political determinants of health and realizing that ultimately, while our patients live in a social environment that's around them, whether that be their neighborhood or the people that influence them, there are also structural determinants. So if we tell our patients, you know, oh, we're being so aware of the social determinants of health, so we tell them they should you know, go on more walks or cook more healthy food. But structurally, if there isn't a grocery store within a certain distance of them, or if um, the policies and the structure of the system and the society do not have a bus stop close to their house or don't have a park that's well-maintained in their neighborhood or don't have lights on their street or don't have a safe playground for their kids, then how can they do any of that? And even beyond that, politically, if there's no political will behind that, then that issue as important as it may be will not be accomplished and so in thinking about um, patient care it is just absolutely pivotal that these issues be taken into account because like 90 percent of patients health is determined before they even walk in that office door and if you give them a pill um, for example we we um, were working with some standardized patients last week so sort of simulated patient encounters but are meant to help address real factors in medicine. And so one standardized patient that we had, it was just a patient actor, um, but came in with prescription for several diabetes medications. And lo and behold, as my small group is interviewing the patient and getting some of her background and social history, we find out that she's experiencing homelessness and that she was hospitalized for her diabetes and uh, an onset of a diabetic crisis. And she was prescribed all these pills and then just discharged from the hospital. But what is the good in prescribing these pills when she has no way to get to CVS? Um, she has no home. She can't refrigerate her insulin, uh, let alone understand any of the the um, the prescription regimen because no one took the five minutes to explain to her. So then she's rehospitalized. So now that's not only a burden on her, right? Because who wants to go to the hospital multiple times? Uh, but it's also a burden on the system. It's it's raising costs. And so these are a lot of the, the things that we should think about um, in medical education and in helping our, our providers understand this is that these, these social and structural and political factors really are central in shaping the health of our patients. And um, being aware of this is really key. And so Penn's done a lot with that, with a course we have called Doctoring. So every week we'll, we'll talk about a different issue in clinical medicine, whether that's um, structural competency, like I just talked about, or um, gender and sexuality, race and medicine, uh, uh, health system science. So we really try to, I, I'm, I'm really impressed that this is becoming more of an important topic because it should be. And the more we talk about it, I think that's a really good first step into integrating this into clinical practice. Yeah. And, 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 and like I said, it's sort of as we move forward, I think there's going to be a lot of, you know, people looking at, okay, what can we take away from not only the experiences of the pandemic, but also how can we change fundamentally how healthcare is provided and like paid for and all these things so that we can address a lot of the issues that you're talking about, uh, like poverty and all of these things that are not, you know, you can't, the healthcare is not just the interaction between the, like the doctor and the patient, right? It's much more than that at home in the environment. And so, my next question is, how has the pandemic changed or reaffirmed any of your goals moving forward? And have you developed any new interests or insights due to anything, everything we've lived through for the past year and a half? 
Yeah, it's definitely reaffirmed my goals, I would say. Um, I had these interests in ethics and in policy and poverty studies and health inequities all before COVID. And then COVID happened and it just reaffirmed more than ever before. It was like a case in point of thinking, oh my goodness, not only are these issues related to medicine, but they're fundamental to medicine. And not only is this interesting topics, but these are critical and necessary topics. Um, and not only do they influence patient care, but they really drive it. And so for me, it has definitely reaffirmed my goal and that I initially see for myself as doing some sort of blend of patient care, but then also bringing in um, research, whether that's in the policy realm, you know, testing out different solutions to the system from a health economics perspective or a, a behavioral economics perspective, um, whether that is sort of doing some community engaged work and really doing continuing the bottom up experiences that I've had and amplifying voices that way. Um, but either way, for me, it's definitely reaffirmed that that's important to me and that that's something that we as um, you know, anyone related to the healthcare field should be aware of. It's also definitely raised questions for sure about the weight of the white coat and where do the responsibilities of physicians lie in, you know, taking this oath and entering this profession and this vocation. Uh, because it, it ultimately comes down to what you view as the role of a physician. If it's just to be a sort of technician and perform procedures and prescribe medications, then you can really draw the line at that. And when something like a pandemic or a public health crisis happens, a physician can say, oh, that's not my purview. I'll leave that to the ethicists and the, you know, policy people and the politicians, and I'll just keep, um, you know, taking things as it is. But if you view the role as a physician as uh, healing, then I think it brings a lot more nuance into perspective. And so for me, that's sort of what I've been thinking about is at what level do you want to have an impact the individual or the system or both and if so how can you fund that and at the end of the day you can only have one job so um it's sort of this idea of jack of all trades master of none and where can you feel the most fulfilled and motivated in your profession and um take on whatever responsibilities you see belong to the profession but ultimately at least for me i'm just under the belief that if a physician is professing to promote the health of her patients then she also has to be cognizant of how societal and structural and political factors impact that because that is just not going away. If anything, like, like we were talking about, COVID has definitely shed a spotlight on that um, and also a spotlight on the importance of, again, like we also discussed health communication and really public trust and how we can bridge the gap between science and society so that advances in science can be translated to ultimately better health for all of society and all people. Right, absolutely. and. And going off of that, my last question is for other young people that are passionate about medicine and health policy, like everything we've discussed today, uh, what advice uh, would you give them? Oh, I love this question. Um, I think I would definitely say try things that you think you're not interested in. Um, this is sort of an approach that I took throughout undergrad that ended up really surprising me. Uh, for example, after I sort of realized my initial interest in poverty studies, through those service learning seminars that I talked to you about, I actually did one in Nicaragua. So I thought, oh, if I'm interested in poverty, maybe I should experience something on a global scale and learn from people experiencing poverty in countries outside of the US. And while I was extremely inspired, again, by the individuals I met there and the 
noise that I heard and the problems that need collaborative, bottom-up, community-based solutions. I also realized that for me personally, I saw some very similar problems 20 minutes from my house in downtown Los Angeles. And so my personal motivation was in domestic health, but it took trying something that I wasn't sure whether or not I was interested in um, to realize that and reaffirm that. And same thing with um, doing the U.S. healthcare policy seminar that I mentioned where I was in D.C. for a week. I did that because I thought I wasn't interested in policy and I did that to rule it out. And I thought, oh, there's no way I'm interested in anything adjacent to, you know, DC and politics and, and all these type of fields, but I'll do this just to make sure. And I did it. And then I realized, oh, dang it. I really am interested in this. Um, and it goes vice versa. So there were things that I experienced, like I mentioned the global health experience that I realized that wasn't for me or doing some basic science research for a few semesters. And I, um, you know, once I pivoted to sort of the bioethics research at Mayo Clinic and the policy work for the campaign, I realized that qualitative research and interview studies and surveys were much more up my alley than basic science in a neuroscience lab. And so I think ultimately try things you think you're not interested in and it will guide you on a path that you might be surprised by. Um, even here now at Penn, the fact that I'm taking this class in Wharton, I never thought I would take a business adjacent class, but I'm learning a lot from the MBA students in my class and realizing that it's an important angle too to have because ultimately, especially in our country, healthcare is a business and it's an economy. It's actually the fifth largest GDP in the world is the US healthcare system. So understanding this is, is really critical. Uh, and I thought I would never be interested in it, but by pushing myself outside of my comfort zone and giving it a try, whether the answer is yes or no that I'm interested in, at least it's one more data point and it's good to know. And it can sort of guide you along your path. Um, and then the second and final piece of advice I would give is just continue talking to people and reaching out to people. And um, I know the concept of mentors is really um, something that gets talked about a lot, but might seem kind of nebulous or ambiguous, or what does it even mean to have a mentor? But for me, it's really been a lot of one-off coffee chats with people, reaching out to people that I think are inspiring, really like you do, Sam, is like finding people that you look at either their work or anything that they're interested in or invested in and say oh that's inspiring to me I wonder how they got to where they are or um, what thoughts they have on xyz issue and just talking to them and you'll be surprised that even if you do only five percent of the talking everything that they say there might be a few tidbits that come out of it that leads you uh, onto your next thing and so I think it's really yeah trying things that are things you think you're not interested in and then also just continuing to talk to people and engage in conversation and don't be afraid to reach out to people because um, people love to give back and so it's really inspiring I think um, especially in this field is to learn from others that are doing work that you're interested in and it can be very inspiring and energizing and motivating as well so uh, yeah that's that's really my best advice I can give but um, excited to be at the point that I am and glad we got to chat Absolutely. No, I agree with everything you, you just said, and I second uh, reaching out to people and, and talking to them. So, Aiden, thank you so much for making the time to meet with me today. It means a lot. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Sam. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope my conversation with Aiden provides unique and important insight into medical education today and areas that should be prioritized as our broader definition of health and well-being evolves, health policy issues here in the U.S. as well as abroad, and how COVID-19 can be a wake-up call to improve our healthcare system moving forward. So, I hope you're doing well and staying safe. And remember, 
We can't just consume healthcare. We have to understand healthcare.